prayer night until is looking at our prayer lives, specifically looking at intercessory prayer. And the anchor text for our series, as you can see on the screen, is Isaiah 62, verse six and seven. And uh, I don't have time to unpack that for us this morning. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to download the podcast. Chris did a great teaching on intercessory prayer. But as way of summary, before we move on, um, in six and seven, what God is saying through Isaiah is that I have set watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem who will never cease, never be silent, day or night until God establishes Jerusalem and makes it the praise of the earth. You see, that's intercessory prayer, guys. It's about standing in the gap between God and man, praying in God's promises. As Chris said last week, you know, it's a, it's a divine mystery that in God's sovereignty, he chooses to use us and partner with us in the unfolding of his divine story. You know, it may seem like foolishness to us, but who knows Isaiah 55? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I was speaking at the uh, call to prayer a few weeks ago. I know some of you were there. And uh, by the way, call to prayer is our monthly prayer meeting uh, where, we, where we do the stuff, where we do the intercessory prayer. I think the next one's next week? 16th. I'd encourage you to come along 7 p.m. here. It's really great. But um, I, I was talking um, about devotional prayer, in fact, and I started reflecting on a story about the greatest prayer meeting the world has ever seen. The greatest prayer meeting which set us on the course of Christendom as we, as we know it today. The greatest prayer meeting which preceded the greatest revival humankind has ever seen. I'm really building this up, aren't I? <laughs> the greatest prayer meeting which the scripture says added 3,000 to their number as soon as it finished. I'm sure by now you all know which prayer meeting I'm talking about. That's the prayer meeting on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem in the upper room. And you know, I absolutely love this story and you can read it in Acts 1. And as you know, at the end of the prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit comes down in power and the rest is, as they say, history. But if you look before that story and you look at the end of Luke, just before Jesus is ascending into heaven to be glorified at the right hand of the Father, he says to his disciples, stay in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. And so this is one I want to point out. We, we can unpack this, we haven't got time, but it's this. The disciples prayed in response to Jesus' promise. Do you see that? They prayed in response to Jesus' promise. Now, if it was me, I don't know about you, but if it was me, I probably would have responded in one of two ways. I may have responded in the old you know, fear and disbelief approach. What? You're going, where? And you're sending who? And I would have just scarpered. That would have been it for me. End of story. Full stop. Or maybe completely opposite approach. Maybe I would have responded in faith. You know, thank you, Jesus. Cannot wait to see the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, in the next breath, turn around to my, my good old mates, John and Peter, and say, guys, obviously the Holy Spirit's coming. Maybe a few days, hours, weeks. Who knows? But listen, I hear the Red Sea's great this time of the year. Why don't we check into a hotel, do a bit of windsurfing, and just waited for the Holy Spirit. But that's not what happened, did it? They prayed in God's promises. And that's the heart of intercessory prayer. But we're gonna shift gears a little bit this morning, take a little bit of a pause on intercessory prayer, and Richard will pick it up next week. 
and we're going to look at devotional prayer, where intercessory prayer is about us representing people to God. Devotional prayer is about us and our Father, us and God. And so over the next 25 minutes or so, 20 minutes, what I would like to do is first look at what is at the heart of devotional prayer. Then I want to look at, okay, as we enter in, what are some of the stumbling blocks we need to be looking out for that will hinder that? And lastly, I want to end on a a practical piece around how do we actually enter into devotional prayer. Is that okay with you guys? Lovely. Well, let's pray very quickly before we dive into the teaching. Lord, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you that you have a word for us. Lord, I pray that you prepare our hearts to hear that word, that it would bear fruit, God, in our hearts. Bear fruit for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. As Richard already said, I I have three beautiful children, uh, Lucy who's four, Ellie who's two, and uh, Daniel who's seven months. And, oh, I love being a parent, but boy, it is hard work, isn't it? (laughs) Especially three under uh, under four. Credit to my beautiful wife, she does an amazing job there. Um, But you know what I love? I love those moments, and Chris mentioned this last week, when one, one of my children would come on my lap and just say, Daddy, I love you. I can see some smiles. I know some of you know what I mean. And I, and I absolutely love that moment. Now, what's happening in that moment? Well, obviously, they're saying, Daddy, I love you. But actually, what's happening under the surface is they are saying, Daddy, I love you in response to the love they first received from me. See that? You see, they're responding to the love, the affirmation, the comfort, the security, the significance that I pour into my children. You see, I love them because they're mine. They're my children and they respond in love. And you see, that's a kingdom principle. It's a kingdom dynamic, guys. That is exactly the same with our heavenly Father. 1 John 4.19 says, we loved him because he first loved us. And if you want a verse to hang on devotional prayer, that is the verse. You see, the heart of devotional prayer is our response to the fact that God first loved us. That's devotion. Devotional prayer is not, you know, 10 minutes in the morning, read a passage, checklist of prayer, things, right, I'm done, off I go. It might look like that, but that's not the heart of devotion. You see, you can do all of that and not have any devotion whatsoever. It can be formula, it can be religion, it can be, you take my point. But let's unpack this a little bit further. If if the heart of devotion is a heartfelt response to God who first loved us, how does that actually play out in our lives? Well, let's turn together to Romans 8, verse 15. I believe we have it on the screen as well. And as you're turning, let me just provide a bit of context. So Paul in this passage is talking about the wonderful gift of adoption into God's family, the fact that we are sons and daughters of the Most High. And so let's read this together. Paul's saying, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, but instead of, in replacement of, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now there's two things I want to focus on. The first is this, the word Abba. See, the direct translation of Abba is Daddy. It's an intimate cry. It's not a title, it's, it's dada, dada, just as my daughter say daddy. But what I want us to see is this, there's actually more weight than just saying daddy. 
You see, when my daughters sit on my lap and say, Daddy, what they're actually saying is, you're my daddy and I'm your daughter. And you see, when we cry Abba to God, what we say is, you're my daddy and I'm your son. You're my daddy and I'm your daughter. We press into the relationship. We press into the adoption that we have. And so the second thing I want to show us is this. The scripture says, and by him, who? By the spirit, we cry out, Abba. It's not ourselves that we can respond to God. It's the fact that he's poured his love in us. See, the scripture says we are a temple for the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3 says that we have been sealed for the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. And do you see how the outworking of a heartfelt response to love works? He pours his love in us. The Spirit bears witness. We are adopted because of the work of the Spirit. And by that, we cry, Abba. We cry, Abba. And the dynamic is this, guys. You may feel a tug in your spirit sometimes, a tug in your heart, a warmth in your heart, and you need to respond in devotion. That's a spirit in you crying, Abba. You might not articulate it always using the word Abba, but you're pressing in to the adoption that you have. You're pressing into that relationship. Thank you for who you are. And if that's the case, what does that mean? We need to fan it into flame. You see, you can either build it or ignore it. You can either ignore it or you can guard it. And so I would encourage you, if you feel that prompting in your spirit to cry, Abba, to seek the Lord, that is a work of his love in you, respond. Respond in devotion. And at the end, we're going to look at some practical tips around how we can respond. But I'm going to challenge myself here before we move on, and you're more than welcome to listen in. Um, Mark, if you recognize that, that, that yearning in your heart, and yet you complain you have no time, and yet you're able to, I don't know, look at Facebook, watch endless movies and read magazines and the like, then I'd like to propose it's, it's not a question of time, it's a question of priority. Now hear me, I'm not saying those things are wrong. You know, when we're children of the faith, it's around what's black and white, what's right and wrong. As we mature, it's around what's good. What's better, but what's the best? Yeah? I just want to encourage us. Fan it into flame. Don't ignore it. And the more it consumes you, the more you grow in devotion, the more you're just walking down the street and you're in devotion without even thinking about it. Okay, let's move on. Okay, if that's our heartfelt response to God, that's how it works in us. As we move into that, what are the stumbling blocks we should be aware of that the enemy will throw in our way? Because who knows that prayer is a spiritual, is spiritual warfare, hey? You know, I think that the devil knows that prayer is more powerful than we do sometimes. I mean, the truth is, he's on the back end of it, isn't he? <laughs> and so what are the things he's going to do to put stumbling blocks in our way? Well, here's the first one. And I'm only going to touch on this briefly because um, Chris has already done a great job of unpacking this last week, and it's this. It's the thought that our prayers don't matter. I don't know about you, but if I look at my life and look at seasons of prayer, those times where I stop praying, it's not necessarily that I don't think that God is big. I know he's big. I know he's all-powerful. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all that's in it. It's not that. It's not that I don't think that God doesn't love me. I know he loves me. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, you can replace that with me. He sent his only son. He numbered the very hairs on my head. And God knows I have many more gray hairs than I used to have as well. That's happens when you have kids, apparently. 
No, it's not that. It's, it's, it's none of those things. What it is, is the thought that little old me, there's no way that God's going to answer my prayers. That is a lie of the enemy. Plain and simple. You know, I love when Robbie Dawkins was here. Who knows, that was a real faith injection, hey? Oh, so good hearing him. And he said on the Wednesday, he said this, you've got to realize your thoughts are not always your thoughts. Genius. Couldn't have said it better myself. The enemy will plant seeds of doubt in your mind to derail you, to derail you from praying. And so what does that mean? Well, 2 Corinthians 10.5, I believe it is, says we need to hold every thought contrary to the knowledge of God captive. James 4 says we need to resist the enemy and he shall flee. Resistance is not a passive thing, it's an active thing. You say, I recognize those thoughts in the name of Jesus and I bind that right now. This is spiritual warfare, guys. Don't just lie and take it, because what happens is you let it go in your mind, you start thinking, and it grows. And before you know it, you're sitting on the sofa and you're not praying. Thank God the disciples in the upper room didn't think like that, hey? (laughs) Well, things would have been a little bit different. I want to encourage you with this verse, James 5, verse 16. If you're ever in that season, right, and you recognize these thoughts of the enemy, use scripture. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. That's what God says on the subject. End of story. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. So I'd encourage you, press in, recognize it, and if you need to, say, Lord, forgive me for accepting the lies of the enemy. Lord, I'm going to move in that which you've called me to do. Okay, let's move on to the next stumbling block. The next one is silence and our response. And, you know, this is, this is a big subject. But you know those seasons where it's like, God, where are you? It's like he's left the building, you know? It's like, oh, I can't hear anything. It could be many things, and we haven't got time to really unpack this, but it could be simply that God is just saying no. Just not his will for us. I look back on my life, and I'm so grateful of the times that God hasn't answered my prayers, you know? That, that woman that I wanted to marry, thank you, I, you didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> or, you know, that job I really coveted, or that lifestyle I really wanted, because God knows out the heart of a father what's best. Or it could just be this, and I don't, I don't mean just, it could be that you have unrepented sin in your heart that's causing a blockage. You know, Psalm 66, verse 18, David says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If you feel the tug of the Spirit convicting you of sin, deal with it. Move to repentance. Repentance is not a destination, it's a doorway into freedom. And the enemy twists it around the other way. You see, the way the enemy works is this. He'll condemn you for sin, which leads to shame and guilt, which is a doorway into more bondage. You see the difference there? You see, God's truth leads to freedom. The enemy's lies lead to bondage. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you've got sin in your life, deal with it. And isn't that the gospel? Aren't we all sinners? We've all fallen short, have we not? But by the grace of God, because he loves us, he's pursuing us, as as Richard spoke earlier before communion, he's made a way that we can enter his presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But what about if it's none of those things? What about, you know, you're praying in God's will, you're praying for healing, or you're praying for some other promise, and, and what if, just like David, you said, Lord, if there be any iniquity in me, show me. And yet he's still silent. And Steph and I, my wife, we've been through this. And we know, thank God, we're coming out of this season. 
But what I'm learning is this, and it's painful. It is painful. What I'm learning is this, is that God is purposeful in his silence, and it is out the heart of a father. He's purposeful in his silence. He's not arbitrary. He doesn't stop loving you. He is love. He doesn't stop pouring out his grace upon you. He is grace. And what's our response normally in those situations? Well, I'll tell you what mine is. Offense, complaint. You, Lord, I'm doing everything you wanted me to do. I'm praying in faith. I've done everything you want, and yet nothing's happening. Romans 8, verse 28 says, he works all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. He works all things for good. You can read it like this in these seasons. He works his purposeful silence for good. Hmm? You see that? For those that love him and accord according to his purpose. He, in those seasons, you see, he makes the, the proud humble. Yep, I can see that, Lord. You've done that with me. He makes the ungrateful grateful. Yep, that's me. He makes those with lack of faith build up their faith. Yep, 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 and yet. He does a deep work in our hearts. So therefore, if that's the case, what should our response be in those seasons? If we recognize that he works all things for good, what should our response be? Well, you know, David, the psalmist, went through a, many silent times. Let me read this to you. You don't have to turn to it. It's Psalm 28, and I love this because in Psalm 28, at the start, David's going through this, and what I want to look at is his response to silence. Let me read it to you. To you I will cry, O Lord my rock. Do not be silent to me. Lest, if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you, when I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Do you feel that pain in his voice? I've been there. And yet what is his response? Well, we see that in verse 6. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise him. I will praise him. See, that's our response to those silent seasons. It's to praise him. Let us not be tossed around in the sea with offense and, and passivity and, and give up. Let's continue to praise him and thank him that he hears our prayers and allow him to do that deep work in our hearts. In Hebrews 11 verse six, I love this verse. It says, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Take God's truth, guys, and apply it to your life. That's what God is saying. He loves us. He wants the best for us. Okay, then. So um, we've, we've looked at, you know, what's the heart of devotion? It's a heartfelt response to God, and it's an outworking of the Spirit in us that causes us to adoption. We've looked at a couple of stumbling blocks that the, our prayers don't matter and, and silence. But now I want to end as we kind of bring this plane into land. Um, what are some practical ways in which we can then enter Devotion. What does devotion look like? Okay. The first one may not seem completely obvious, given that we're talking about devotional prayer, but it's this. Corporate worship. You know, I absolutely love being part of the Vineyard movement. You know, worship, worship is just part of our DNA, isn't it? It's a core value. And aren't we really so blessed here in this church to have an amazing worship team under Sam? 
So blessed. But I want to remind us something, and I, I say remind because I know we all know this, but I think it's important sometimes you know, to remember things. It's this. Worship is not good singing. Sorry, I know you all know it. I apologize. Worship is not good singing. I remember 15 years ago, I was going to a church in London, and I was running a little bit late, and I was looking forward to the worship. And I arrived late, and I couldn't get my normal seat. Who knows we have our normal seats? <clears throat> so I'm near the back, and I'm going to do good worship. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And I'm standing behind a guy, and you know, I'm starting to worship. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to cut some harmonies, and it's going to sound great. And he's in front of me, and blessing me, it wasn't sounding so good. And I was complaining, and I was frustrated, and I'm going, oh, I can't worship. And you know what God said? He said, yes, but his heart is where yours isn't. Bang. His heart is where yours isn't. I spent the rest of the service in repentance. His heart is where yours isn't. You know, 30 minutes every morning on a Sunday is precious time. We're busy people, right? And I've been there. You know, you're worshiping. Before you know it, your foot's tapping in your autopilot. I don't know, saying the words. When he speaks to so-and-so over there and hope the oven comes on for that roast. And, oh, I've got to iron those shirts. Before you know it, you're, just, you know, you're on autopilot. I'd encourage you to press in to worship because through worship leads devotion. We sang, you're everything to me, I adore you. You're everything to me, I adore you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. You're holy, you're worthy. And adoration leads to confession. Lord, just like Peter said, Lord, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. You say, Lord, in your presence, forgive me for my unbelief, forgive me for my doubt. And confession leads to thanksgiving. Thank you that you've saved me. Thank you that you forgive me of my sins. And thanksgiving leads to supplication. Lord God, would you pour more of your spirit in me? You see how that works? And you're in devotional prayer. That's devotional prayer, guys. So I'd encourage you, when you're worshiping, press in. Be deliberate and purposeful in your worship. Okay, the second thing is this. It's meditating on the word. Ephesians 5, verse 26 says, I love this, the word of God washes you. The word of God washes you. You know, I've been deliberate in the word meditate and not study because they're different things. We need to study the word. We need to understand the context. We need to understand what God is saying. We need to understand all of that. But if it just stays here, it's not going to change our lives. It's not going to impact our heart. You see, and that's the difference between study and meditation. We need to get it from here to here. So how do we meditate on the word? Here's some tips. First one is just have a conversation with Jesus. You take your, your word in the morning. Pick a verse. Okay, I've got it open here. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Thank you, Jesus. Your word said I won't fear. Thank you that you're my light and my salvation. Lord, will you show me areas in my life that I'm fearful? Would you break? You see what I'm doing there? I'm applying the word to my life, to my heart, and by the Holy Spirit, it becomes a rema word, the spoken word of God, and makes a difference in my life and bears fruit. So don't just get the scripture and read a passage saying, tick. Take the time. Take the time. Second thing is prayer, and I'm not going to talk too much about this because um, Chris unpacked this last week, but pray into the scripture. Take a promise. Say, Lord, I apply this to my life. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm more than a conquering Christ Jesus. Pray those in. And lastly, and I apologize, it cannot be more eloquent than this. Chew on it. Sorry, I told you it's not very eloquent, but chew on it. Digest it. Let it bear fruit. What I mean by that is get a verse in the morning 
And during the course of the day, just bring it to remembrance and just allow it to work in your life. The Lord is my light. Whom shall I fear? You see, that will work in you. That will work in you. You're fearful about that meeting tomorrow. You're fearful about that potential confrontation during the week. Take the scripture and let it work in you. And last thing you go to, before you go to bed, just chew on it. And you will see that that will lead to devotion. We've got a few more minutes before we get to land, but uh, if you need to pick up your kids, feel free um, to go and get them, get them now. Okay, and there's two more. The third one is this. Praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. Now, you know, oftentimes it's been said of the charismatics. The problem with the charismatics is not that they pray in tongues. The problem with the charismatics is that they don't pray in tongues. <laughs> I kind of like that. I can see that in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of tongues, but boy, I don't really use it that much. You know, in your devotional time, here's a, here's a little suggestion. Why don't you try, start your devotional time praying in tongues for the first 10 minutes and see where that leads you. Because it's our spirit communicating with God's spirit. It takes us into places. I'd encourage you to use that gift. And if you haven't got that gift and you want to talk about that, I'll pray through that. The end of the service, my right, your left, someone in the ministry team would love to pray with you. And the last one. And you know what? This is probably the hardest. At least it is for me. I'm sure not for you, lovely, lovely, holy people. And it's this. Silence. Psalm 27, verse 4. I love this psalm. David says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days, to gaze on his beauty. Hmm. We just need to gaze, just to sit at his feet, just sit in his lap and gaze, and just be with him. We need to make time for that, guys. I'm going to end on this quote, Samuel Chadwick, um, a pastor of the early 19th century, who experienced great revival, and there was so much revival, that, and people come into the services, they had to get police to, to sort things out. I mean, it was just amazing. You can read about it. But he said this, on his, he wrote a great book called The Power of Prayer, and he said this, the most important part of prayer is not what we say to God, but what God says to us. It is no place for hurry. The soul must be still and wait before the Lord. Let's all stand. I'm going to invite the worship team up. But let's just remain in this attitude of stillness to the Lord. And I want to give us an opportunity to respond to this word. See, I know, just like, just like myself, that the Lord's been tugging some of you around devotional prayer and you felt a warmth in your spirit if that's you if you want to press in I want you to just put your hand on your heart now just as a sign that you want to move into devotional prayer and I'm going to pray for us Lord I thank you that you love us as a father I thank you that you are calling us as your children and that by your spirit in us we cry Abba because we are yours and you are ours. Lord God, would we be a people that presses in to devotion with you? That we would not miss out on those opportunities to seek your face. That we would not miss out those opportunities just to be still and wait before the Lord. So God, I pray for everyone here.
that you bless them as they go forth during this week, that you protect them from the lies of the enemy that would block them from moving in. And I pray, Holy Spirit, come and fill these people, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, fill us, fill us, God. Fill us, Lord. More of your power and more of your presence in our lives, Lord, because we don't want to go forward without you, God. We don't want to live this week without your presence. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Amen.